You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Ciao. Yo. Buongiorno. Where's our other boy? He's coming. Let's we'll sneak in here. He's in the he's in the studio. I'm getting ready, probably brushing his hair. He's got Make nice hair. Yeah, he does. And so it looks like a little uh, Halloween there. Yeah, we're going into October, but also a big topic on hand is about Zillow kind of being sneaky and what are they up to? So plays out both themes. So uh, we might as well, as we wait for Mr. Prasky, um, what do you, uh, what's new in uh, Italia? Not much. Um, just enjoying the last couple of weeks here before I go to Florianopolis in uh, Brazil. So it's good. You know, the green passes makes things a little difficult, but the weather is not too, too bad. So you can, you can sit outside and enjoy a spritz and aperitivo and life's good. You know, life's good over here. Um, do you, uh, how about any, any new fashion statements or anything? Yeah, I did go to a famous outlet mall and I got my, my sunglasses for Brazil, some Fergamo shades. Fergamo. Look at those. Wow. Oh, here we go. And don't let Andy miss those shades. Yeah. He just popped in. Now he's, he's gone. That's Champlain Park internet access is not, uh. He's, not, he's got to dial his phone up. I will only wait for him. What do we got going on? The the parade is finishing up? Last weekend. We are on the last weekend of the parade, and it has been a very good one, um, at least for us. In in the price point, we have a we have one of the four dream homes, and so that's uh, it's been good. That the traffic hasn't been as crazy in years past, but it's uh, it's quality uh, quality traffic from a, a builder standpoint and. We're very lucky. We have uh, we used a client's home home that we uh, purchased or that we built for them, and uh, in doing that, they installed a pool. So it's very very rare to have a pool in a model home because you know that adds on eighty to one hundred thousand dollars that builders usually don't want their houses to be reflected as a higher price. And so we had the opportunity in which to be able to have one with a pool. And the good, the cool thing about that was, is we were able to show them what main floor living, main bringing the outside to the inside, and vice versa, uh, was fantastic. And this house was designed where it could have been a full walkout out the back. Instead, they did it uh, straight out with no steps, so you walked out with absolutely just a little, um, you know, uh, just a, there's no step. It's a single single uh, walkway so you can go right out to the water and it really just makes that whole main floor look so much bigger. Hi, Andrew. Good morning, gentlemen. We're talking about the last uh, week of the parade is happening and that uh, I was saying that we've had some good success uh, with good clients, maybe not as much traffic, but good clients. How about yourself? Oh, completely. I think that now that the uh, pricing has softened on um, building materials, interest rates have uh, actually remained really low. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, 
I think people are realizing it's a great time to build a house because you've been thinking about it. And in the environment that we're in, I think a lot of people, another interesting spin I've had on this the last couple of weeks from other of my clients that are smarter than me um, are telling me, they're like, listen, everything's going up. It's not just housing. So like these people that are sitting at home saying, oh, I'm going to save my money and wait for the housing bubble to burst again. And the problem is, is this, your pickup truck's now 80,000. It's not 50,000. Uh, the, the hamburger at the store is $9 a pound instead of $5 a pound. You're in what they call a hyperinflation market right now where everything's going up, not just housing. So to me, that says that all housing's doing is keeping up with inflation. And the fact that there's a lack of sellers keeps the pressure on the purchases. So the best purchasers are coming to the market that can offer the best terms, the best rates and the best offers. So a combination of that and then housing right now with the way the world is, there's a lot of people that are like, you know what? I want to build the house that I want um, in the neighborhood where I want my kids to go to school and, and have the amenities that, that we've always desired. And so I, I think it's kind of an interesting, a real interesting fall because we're, we've already taken 19 orders for new builds um, in the first three weeks of the parade. And wow. that's the busiest uh, my team has ever been. Oh, ever. wow. Yeah. See, ours, ours is a different, a kind of a different process where um, now you guys have a special or something going on, right? That you guys do as parade. Do well, you... we offered a, uh, uh, a free, a free finished basement. And yeah. they did that because our build cycle is pushing out 10 months now. And yeah. so when, when the build is that long, we were like, let's incentivize people to give us that timeline. And so we put together a crazy promotion that people are like, you know what, we're okay with it. But like, we're, we're having people write uh, new construction orders today where I'm giving them the end of July as a closing date of next year. And it's a, uh, and people are okay with it. You know, they, they, it's the middle of summer, kids are out of school. Now you start pushing August. Now people start getting, you know, a little funny. Our process, kind of the custom uh, build process is, is just a lot different in that we can't even really get to a price or give someone a price until we go through the whole plan phase and, and specifications and uh, right. doing all the bidding out. And so we're usually, you know, like we're kind of more of a, a lot hold. That's our thing. And once you get a lot hold or uh, they have a lot, then we kind of uh, move to the architecture phase. You know, we're still a couple months out before even getting anything uh, signed and in writing to, you know, start construction. But I think it's interesting, um, some of the housing, too, uh, in the existing market is uh, very, very interesting to me because there is pockets that is like, you know what, if you don't price it right, it's not going to sell. Then there's other pockets that are just going crazy. We lost uh, two offers last week in the seven over 700,000 range, and we were forty and 55,000 over, Jeez. You know, which we thought... I thought that was kind of gone, but it's it's not. Yeah, for sure. We uh, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that as well. On the east side, on the east oh. side, which is yeah. I, I'm I actually seeing uh, the existing market, um, in, in at least on a few of my listings, where they're not selling in hours; they're selling in in days, or even in one case, I've got one of my properties that's in an area where there's just not a lot of buyers, and we've been on the market a couple of weeks now, and. The funny part is like, I kind of look back to a couple years ago and here we're panicking. We've been on the market seven days. Oh my God, what's going on? What's wrong? And, and it's just, it, you know, we're in the middle of a shift. 
Yeah, the cadence of the market, I think, is shifting a little. I don't think the demand is going away. I don't think that there's any, you know, uh, skeletons in the closet, as our backdrop would say today, that uh, would make us feel that way. Yeah, that's our our little skeleton Zillow. Yeah, we explained the background. Going into October, spooky and sneaky uh, Zillow we're talking about. But okay, hey, this next segment um, on Reddit, there's a, a popular real estate subreddit and uh, a thread that blew up recently was about this person in this photo and how much crap there is out there with housing and, and how it's made and the quality. So I want to get your guys' uh, perspective on it. Here is the photo. So just like a sticker. sticker. It looks like wallpaper, isn't it? It's like those sticker. It's a... Kind of a, a sticker tile. Yeah. Look, so looks like a flip job to me. Mm-hmm. It's exa- so it's exa- is this because, I mean, it takes a long time to get supplies now, or, or are they just throwing shit out there to try to get it sold? Or my bad, I'm the swear word. <laughs> uh, no, supplies is not a swear word, Nick. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're. I'm telling you, you're right on the money. The uh, What happens is, you know, uh, especially flip houses, you guys, and they don't want to fill out a disclosure and they bought the house and they're trying to make a profit on it. And they have the tile guy come out and give them a bid for $2,000 for a backsplash. And they don't want to pay 2000 And then they see this stuff they can buy on uh, Wayfair and they order it in the mail and they get it and they put it up and, and then they put it on the market and there's no disclosure. Um, good luck to you. I, I, I struggle with flippers because um, a good flipper will fill out a, a uh, somewhat of a disclosure or provide you with some guidance as to what they did to the house. The ones that hide everything um, expect stuff like you just showed us. Yeah. I think sometimes though flippers um, get a bad rap and, and they do that because um, people also have a real hard time. Buyers do have a real hard time with how much a flipper made or is going to make. And they judge it based on, well, he's all, he's going to make so much money. Well, it doesn't matter what he makes is what the market bears. And, and I think sometimes flippers are hesitant to let people know all the things they did so they can't figure out what they what they put into it and thus not try to pay them as much. And so I've heard that from some flippers, but there is a lot of stuff um, exactly like that that, uh, you know, just not put in that grade. And, and you might see that thing where it's uh, almost, I don't know, a wallpaper of sorts. And, and I know it sticks on, but sometimes the the real problem is, is when people come in and, and rip that off and then look behind and there's holes in it and, you know, in, in the, the, the back of the uh, kitchen there. And yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, buyer beware, I guess is what we have to say. Agreed. And that's our job, right, Andy? I mean, well, you we know, but to- here's, here's the funny thing. I have buyers that'll do this where they, well, they just paid. 450 for the place three weeks ago. So let's offer them like 454. You know, and it's like, uh, no, if they want to sell it for seven million dollars, that's America, man. That's mm-hmm. that's a capitalist market. They bought it right and they're willing to sell it at a fair price. And it doesn't there, there's almost like this uh this uh set of rules, like there's a chart that you know they can get away with or something, and they can only have so much margin that's fair. F- fair is is whatever the market's willing to pay. Don't you think sometimes though the the realtors are at fault for that narrative? You know, they're the ones that are trying to 
oh, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to help you. And they're going to protect them right out of that house is what they're going to do. Um, because ultimately it's your client's decision. It's our job to give them the information to be able to make that decision. But it's ultimately not our choice in, in, in what to do. And I think too many agents try to make it our choice. And we have to re remember that we represent that client and we have to do what they, as long as it's lawful instruction, we have to follow what they want to do. And that kind of goes with some listings that might be, uh, you know, a little longer on the market or how you're going to market things. It's just not, you know, I think some people get um, from an agent standpoint, they get too much into this. Um, hey, this is how I do things. This is how it works, blah, blah, blah. But I think when you do that, you, you kind of, um, you, you play your cards all the time. And if you're doing what's right for your client, you sometimes you've got to change that up and look at it. And so, and, and a, an instance might be, you know, that, hey, we think this is, I, I think that's a little high. I think you should go this route, but boy, there's nothing really in this market. And I think if we, if we do it, you know, and we sit on it, maybe it might take two, three, four, and two months maybe. And, um, you know, that, that it might work. And I think sometimes, I mean, in doing that, it just makes it, um, it's not like every house is, I don't know. They're oh, they're trying this, and all of a sudden, let's just say we try to underprice them. Every one of them, we're going to try to underprice them thirty thousand dollars. And at, at some point, it's going to happen where everyone's going. Ah, oh, no, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. It sits for a week, and it sells for thirty thousand less than it probably should have. And so, I just think there's there's some there's some strategy involved. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. so. Totally. I think that there's uh, sometimes too much strategy, though. That was the last thing I was going to end with is that you can, you know, uh, get to the point of it, overanalyze it so much that you get analysis paralysis and you never buy anything. I've got a couple of my good buddies They're They've got plenty of money They're uh, A couple of them are even in the contracting business. And whenever we look at stuff, we overanalyze, we overanalyze. By the time we're, we're done figuring out that we should be offering them a lowball offer, it sold for 100000 over. Yeah. So it, it's a tough market right now for flippers, unless you're getting, you know, I think there's the average person that drives down the street and says, we'll pay cash for your house or they call the billboard. And that's where those flippers are are hanging out right now is because they're buying them wholesale. When you want a quick offer, a cash offer, um, that's where the flippers live because that's the only way they can get these deals right now to, to even remotely survive. But that pool is running out of water. A lot of those flippers aren't, aren't around right now. They're doing yeah. other things. Yeah. Okay, let's go to our, our main segment here. There was a recent viral video. We're going to play it. Um, the audio is, is a little loud, so if you're listening to this, just be ready. But. I've been a real estate agent for about 11 years now. And let's talk about the housing crisis. And let's talk about some what ifs. What if there was a company that everybody used, everybody used, everybody knew of to look for houses. And everybody goes on there and searches for houses when they're bored and stuff. And so that company, they just sit back and they just collect all the data. They just know what zip code is looking at what zip code and how much those people can afford. Everyone's looking at this one zip code and everybody seems to be able to afford this certain amount. And let's say that billion dollar company uses that information to go into that zip code and start purchasing houses. Because the people that are selling their houses, even though they sell it for a little bit less sometimes than what the home could actually be worth, and they pay these high fees to this billion dollar company, it's a convenience factor. So this company's scooping up houses less than what they actually could cost. 
And let's say that that company, excuse me, Canute, that company buys 30 homes within a two mile radius. And let's say the price is 300,000. So they buy all of these homes for 300,000. And then on the 31st home, they buy it for 340. Even though they know all of the, all of the comps. Because most people have to get a loan. And if you get a loan, you have to get an appraisal, which means the appraiser is going to look at what homes have sold in the area for that size and that price per square foot. So they're paying cash. They don't, they don't need an appraisal. Why would they pay $340 for this 31st home whenever they've only paid $300 for these others? Well, what that just did is create a new comp. So when they go to sell these other 30 homes, that extra $40,000 that you could say this one sold for three forty, dollars just made them $1.2 million off that one neighbor. Because they know from their research how much people can afford in that zip code. Weird. And let's say that then they're going to come in. They bought that home at three forty dollars that still needs work. So they're going to come in and do their good old paint, spackle, and change the carpet and call it a remodel. So now we can sell them for three sixty. dollars Because we know off of our data that's how much people can't afford. Wouldn't that be weird if a company did that? And then say that this company also starts letting you um, use their own lenders and their own title and escrow company and makes you write your contract on their... I, uh, Chris, I don't uh, normally say I want to kiss a man, but I would kiss that guy. <laughs> that was really good. Well, it's right <laughs> on the... Thank God somebody... I. This is what is so stupid. No offense. It's so stupid about America right now. People trust apps more than they trust like uh, anything else. And they look at this stuff and they, it must be real and it must be whatever. And I, I actually was, uh, you remember a couple uh, or president or two ago um, actually went on and did a broadcast using Zillow's numbers as their stats. And I'm like, it's been nothing but a big stock market fueled uh, disruptor trying to get into the real estate business. And now They've got everybody by the you-know-whats. I mean, even look at Saturday Night Live makes fun of them because people go on there for entertainment and just look for houses. And now they know what people are looking at. They know what people are clicking on. They know what, like, like just like he said, it's it's right on the money. And then the best part is not only that, then they sell the lead. When somebody says they want to see that house, then they sell that lead to a real estate agent so that you have to pay them to actually go and see that house. Or, you know, the consumer doesn't, but the, the real estate agent pays. So now your name and your information is being sold to real estate agents. So when you go to Zillow and book a showing, that person paid to play that game. Ask them. I think that's interesting too. I just had a a, a showing set up on one of my listings, and we always give a, a a phone call to that agent and just kind of let them know a little more about the house, so they don't go in it, you know, with unknowns and stuff, and you know how to work the lock and what to look for and all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, with that, I also look up the agent and see if they've, you know, played in that uh, price point before. And uh, this particular agent had not uh, anything. And it was a, a lead, internet lead type company that was showing it. And uh, I'm just like, you know, these poor buyers who are trying to probably just get uh, into, you know, wanting to see this house and they get wrapped up into these websites and thinking that the the realtor that represents the property is going to be there to show them the house, and then it's someone that doesn't even know anything, has never even sold a house in in the same area before, and it's just like well, that, and you know, Chris, that's an interesting point 
So usually real estate teams, you guys that are watching the show, hire the newbies to do all the legwork. So when there's a Zillow lead that comes in or a Zillow showing and they train that sales rep how to woo that buyer and go out there and show this house and pick them up as a buyer, that's the whole point of the exercise. And, you know, it comes down to where the other crazy part about this is beyond all of that that he was talking about and maybe his speech was going to keep going on this. They bought the largest um, automated showing company in the country recently. So they also know how many showings are happening. They know how many people are looking at the listings. They know how many agents are there. They know how active the agents are. They know which agents are not active. So if you don't think that at some point in time coming down the road, they're going to be able to say, well, Chris Rooney didn't show any houses last year. He claims he's the number one agent in the country, but he didn't show any houses or he showed 35 houses a day all year. Right. So it's like and then it's data. So they've always talked about this in real estate, that the big interrupters or disruptors in our industry right now are the people that are collecting the data. And and part of that is um, Matterport. So Matterport, the, vi the video tours, um, Matterport uh, tours which are also partnered with companies like Zillow. Um, they do this for a reason. The Matterport has the digital technology to verify the square footages in the house are correct. It actually has a technology to recognize, like where you look at the picture behind Chris right now or the background, it'll recognize based on the frame style, what kind of window is in that house. So now they can say based on the age of this house, somebody that's in the window business should go and call on these guys and write an ad that says, hey, Chris has you know, Anderson windows in this house, they're 25 years old and they might need a, re a refurbish. And so now they're getting, what they're doing guys is this. And then send, it to a, then send it to a window company. They send it, they sell it to a window company. Yeah. So what I'm saying to you guys or a carpet company or a whatever. And so the, the idea there is that all these things that are free aren't really free. You know, you're giving information or data about you and your house so that they can create a streamlined experience or what I call a completely controlled experience where, you know, I think you might be in a weird spot where, I don't know, I like a little privacy in well, the industry. I think another interesting thing, and I, I know we got a little uh, comment there about Zillow is bad, and is that that video never once mentioned that it was Zillow. You know, it, it, was, it was kind of funny. It never said anything. It said about a company. And, you know, we all assume that it is Zillow and there's other companies, there's Open Door, there's Redfin. I mean, there's companies that uh, a lot of people are actually playing in that space right now. Uh, Zillow was the, the leader. They keep um, expanding and, and growing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's uh, very interesting because it's kind of like all the realtor associations uh, really sold out to them as well. You know, where our listings used to be so protected, you know, uh, yeah. through the MLS and now you know, every, every, they just go out and they get, uh, and if you don't put them on like a Zillow or have them go through a Zillow, you know, you're, you're hurting the marketing of this property. At least everyone thinks you are. Right. Well, and, and you know, the, the feds want that because they don't like the variableness of a marketplace going up and down. And when they've got, you know, literally trillions of dollars invested into residential housing um, and there's values going up and there's values going down and in certain areas, they want to control that so that the, the market is at an even pace, right? So that their their investment is even safer. And don't kid yourselves with no margin right now on those loans, um, you know, two point whatever percent. I mean, I always ask everybody, would you lend me $700,000 at under 3%? No. I mean, they're, they're for 30 years. It's crazy to me. Yeah. I get a question, though. It sounds really similar to Amazon putting the brick and mortar out of business. 
are you sure this is not gonna help the consumer in the end and it's just taking out the old dinosaurs like you guys? Maybe. That's a that's a good point. I just think that I just think that buying um, socks and shoes and and books is a lot different than buying a house. I just do it. I don't. I think that a lot of people aren't going to um, go that route. But I think it's it would be silly for us not to. Um, I mean, all of us. I think everyone's kind of a little nervous about what it's going to do. Um, they keep assuring the big real estate companies and stuff that, hey, that's not that's not what we're trying to do. They said they were never going to um, try to compete with realtors. Well, they are now, you know, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And um, I do think I do think it, though, Nick, it, it does hurt. Um, it, it could hurt a lot of people for sure. I, I, I want to make a quick mention that uh, housing is an interesting thing. Um, it, it's, uh, the rule or the, in the U S it's the largest generator of wealth. Um, the average person owns a house is 360%, um, farther ahead on their retirement accounts and their general wealth than somebody that's a renter. So in America, when they say that the American dream has been to be a homeowner, um, for, for generations, um, the idea there is, is that at least if you're going to live in a dwelling and you're paying a payment on it and you pay it for 15 years, 30 years, whatever you decide to, to pick for a mortgage. And at the end of it, they give you the house or in theory, they release the house back to you and you own it free and clear. And it's it's been a great source of generating wealth for people for, for generations. And when you get uh, lots of weight on an industry, um, bureaucracy, government, red tape, whatever you want to call it, or monopolies, what happens is you're going to limit your upside. Because they don't want it to go crazy. They want it to stay calm. They want that consistent producing non, you know, uh, oh, my gosh, we made, I mean, how many families, Chris, in the last year that you've helped into a house that said, oh, I have to take a job transfer. And now they're $100,000 ahead. And, you know, versus if a, in a controlled market, you, you wouldn't have that opportunity, right? So it's the amount of equity that right now the U.S. Um, average homeowner has I think it was $38,000 that appreciated in the last quarter alone on a, or a half, the first half of the year, excuse me. Um, so it there's wealth being generated. And I would say that if you're going to generate your wealth, just like I wouldn't use an online app to, to help me with my retirement, I'd want somebody that knows what the hell they're doing, knows the areas where they are, knows all the variables that go into this. Because just like anything else, you know, when you're buying hot sauce, Amazon's perfect. They're, they're, everybody's selling the same hot sauce. And you're just finding the person that can deliver better service for a better price. It's not the same thing in real estate. Real estate is completely different. There's different experience level. There's different negotiating level. There's different marketing levels. There's different everything. And so the problem is, is that Wall Street, and I'm just being, I'm, I, this drives me crazy. Wall Street is spending three times the amount of money that the real estate brokerages that are in the industry right now, the Remaxes, you know, the, the, the Dinas, the, you know, you name them all, right? All the big firms spending three times the amount to grow their brands because all they want, you guys, is this. They want that 7% commission. They want to figure out a way to get that market because it's trillions of dollars. And they're trying to say, hey, every time they get a chance, this is a commodity. You don't need a real estate agent. Go without an agent. Don't be represented. Let's get the commissions down. Or the Redfins of the world that'll say, hey, we'll give you half the commission back because we're going to provide you with no value other than writing paperwork. And, you know, could... Could you get screwed? You're going to sign a waiver right in front of them that says that they don't have all the information in front of them to make a decision for you and that you're making your own decision. 
Why would you want to wander off into the forest not knowing where you're going? I just, I warn people all the time about that. And I say, you know, it'd be different if we're buying hot sauce. We're not buying hot sauce, guys. We're buying a house that could make you hundreds of thousands of dollars in the next 10 years, or you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and be stuck there or have to, you know, that, that, that. so I don't know. I, I, I think technology can help guide a consumer for, for a quick, sorry to keep going here, but um, it will guide a consumer to kind of know what they're getting into. It's informational. It's like being a shopper versus a buyer. When you're shopping for trucks, I go online too. But when I go to buy the truck, I actually go see it. What if it has a hidden dent? What if it has a bent frame? What if it has, you know, the things you can't see on a computer and nobody's going to feel sorry for you once they ship it to your house and the flatbed drops a truck in your front yard and they, oh, it's so easy. We'll just click a button and we'll come pick it up. No, they won't. Read the reviews. So I don't know. I just think with housing, you use the information that's out there sparingly. But when you really want to dig into it, you need to hire somebody that knows what they're doing in that particular area. It, it's super important. Yeah, totally. And I also predict that the Real Estate Association, because of their support of that industry, is going to go out of business. It's just interesting. Is it the, the transfer of wealth we kind of talk about, or are they a good disrupt, disruptor in the space? But we'll see what happens. Hey, we said Andy's, Andy's rant, someone commented. You did know, some good a, analogies. Well, thank you. I'm just, I just, I think that there's, I think it's an educational gap right now. Just like in schools, they don't teach you how to balance a checkbook. They don't teach you how to sign a lease. They don't teach you how to write a mortgage or, or sign a mortgage. I don't understand why we're not educating the consumer. And, and wh why would there not be a class in high school that says, hey, this is how, if you ever want to buy a home, here's the process. Here's how it works. You don't have to do it, but here's how, here's what to look for when you're shopping for people to help you. Here's how to hire an accountant. Here's how to hire a tax preparer. Here's how to hire an, uh, an attorney. Here's where you look to see if your doctor is a legit doctor, you know? And those are all the things that, anyway. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, do you, what do you think? Do you think, um, what do you think Andy thinks of Zillow? I guess that's my question. <laughs> Well, no, they're, they're, they're good questions. I mean, they, they chose, anytime change happens, you know. They chose to take a path of going around or through or replacing parts of our industry. And I get that. I think there's a lot of people that think that there's parts that are broken. There's parts that people sell a million dollar house. They don't think they should pay 70000 to sell it. Well, my argument back to them is you probably would have sold it for seven fifty. We sold it for a million. Yeah. Well, this is kind of interesting now, this next question, because it's um, just going after a different piece of the industry through digital services. So there's a question asked, are title company services overpriced in the digital age? I don't know. I, I guess I'm not super um, up to date in, you know, where they totally uh, make make their money. Obviously, they they do have a service. I mean, they they do take all the papers and make sure they're good. But more importantly, they're making sure that the title is clear. So I think there's a very important uh, spot for title companies. But you know, are they overpriced in in a digital age? And that I mean, you know, what happened during COVID, where it used to be everyone showed up at the same time and went to a closing. It uh, doesn't happen anymore, but I think they're actually doing a little more <laughs> and spending a little more money in which to be able to uh, close a house now 
you know, because they have to get them all pre-signed and then they have to meet with the other groups or they have to send all this stuff. Um, I, I, I hope once uh, digital signing starts happening, which it's going to, it's that's more up to the mortgage companies. Uh, they want to make sure that they're covered. And so that's why there's still uh, documents that are being hand signed. But um, that'll probably happen as well. well I mean, they're going you know, to go after that too. So then, so then we should have a scorecard on every title company because every title company, again, is not created equal. I have some title companies where I don't even know how they blow their nose. They're so stupid. And I've had other title companies that, you know, I, I would literally give my, my kid to and say, go here. They're the best. So, you know, title companies, how they make money, it's real simple. They go through and when you're a buyer, depending on if you order a warranty deed and they have to deliver to you uh, a deed search, and a lot of times you'll do it from our side, the buyer's side, so they can see that it's clean. So they'll charge, let's say, 450 bucks to 650 bucks for, you know, making sure that the, the title is clear, clean. Now the buyer pays $350 for closing fee. And if they buy title insurance on top of that, they might spend another thousand to $1,200, you know, on title insurance. Do the math. I mean, that's a couple, 2000 to 2500 bucks one title company can make. But if they have an attorney sitting there at $200 an hour working on the title work and they have a office to pay for and they have the whatevers, I don't think a lot of it is profit as much as you think it is. I mean, I know that, you know, some of my title companies, they, they've done well over the years, but I've also seen title companies have gone out of business because they, they can't keep afloat. So um, I think it all comes down. Everything we're talking about comes down to customer service. And if it's, well, it's, if it's uh, worth it to you, it's just like buying a car. I mean, I would never go on the internet and buy a car. I have to go in and talk to someone and they can kind of convince me uh, what's good and what's bad in a, in a car. Cause I don't know. I'm not taking the, the time to figure it out and look it over. You, you know, it's um, funny, Chris is talking about who's overpaid. And the last couple of years, you want to talk about, you know, a great opportunity. Um, three, three actual mortgage uh, salespeople that I know have bought McLaren's, Lamborghinis and a Ferrari. When you're wasting 400 grand on a car or 300 grand on a car, you're doing great. I mean, you're at the point of where you're, you're basically, and, and so that's what I've seen in that industry. And they were regulated and they were cut down on their pay. But what's happening is just like anything else, an athlete or whatever else, you'll find people that are so talented and hardworking and they work five times harder than the average agent. And they get teams going and they all of a sudden they're making a percentage off of everybody working underneath them. And also they are making a hundred thousand dollars a month or whatever the numbers are for these, some of these high producing mortgage people. I don't see title people driving Lamborghinis, but I do have a couple of my mortgage people that literally have brand new McLarens and they're pulling up to the closings. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm on the wrong side of the business. <laughs> I just think, um, maybe the industry is going through big changes with the technology, but I mean, 15 years ago, you were crazy to meet a stranger online. Now it's totally normal for our generation through dating apps, through social media. Um, who says, you know, in a couple of years, they have the, the formula fitted where you, they know what car you need. You don't, you don't need to look at it. It gets shipped from California. Boom, you have it. So, But what I, I always say is how many, how many times does a profile picture look like the person? When you see him in real life, definitely a little different. Nice to meet you, Nick. I'd like to share a bottle of wine with you, Nick. Uh, that's all I gotta say. Okay, let's do. 
that's called Vino, Andy. Vino. Vino. Yeah, sorry, bro. Vino. Yeah. Uh, let's get uh, let's keep the jokes going. We have uh, a segment here: favorite listing agent cliches. So I have a couple I can can name off, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts. But here's my little cliche photo: a bull in a china shop. <laughs> Okay, so a handyman special, investor alert, needs a, a little TLC, price to sell, calling all investors, great tenant income potential. This property won't last 120 days on Redfin. Um, back on the market, buyer failed to deliver on financing, newer roof, newer AC. Do you guys have some? I I was just I was gonna say the the whole this is price to sell, and I, I really get a kick out of that one that this will go fast and it's, it was on the market for 120 days. I mean that's that's a case of you know just not updating your marketing. You have to kind of watch that, you know, and, and and what you write about. You know, this is sure to go, or you know it's uh, turnkey turnkey home. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, sure, it, it might be turnkey, but after it's been on the market 60 days, you might want to make a little adjustment um, to what it is about that house or or switch it up a little, you know. Um, Desperate seller. We'll take all offers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's sometimes really um, hard to do to get a seller to agree to that. But I think there's some there's some play in that, too. Uh, from that cliche, you know, I think a lot of these cliches do all of a sudden kind of go to you and say, you know what, you, um, th this person's desperate and they want a deal and it might get more people in there. And then once they see it, it's kind of like, geez, I'm going to, I think I'm going to go for it. You know, I, I love it and I'm not going to get a great deal on it, but I have to buy it then. So sometimes these little cliches work. I agree. I think well, this one in all caps is kind of funny. Like if you're, You've been thinking about investing and then, you know, um, you look at the uh, the actual uh, an investor's mindset's different, right? It's different than a homeowner. A homeowner um, goes into a neighborhood and, and wants to, they, they care about the view. They care about how, you know, the size of the yard. They care about, you know, whatever. Now, an investor will go in there and say, hey, it's in the right school district. It's a block from a park. You can walk to schools. There's a bus stop down the street. Um, there's three bedrooms. They don't care how big they are. There's three bedrooms. Um, the backyard's fenced in, so it's safe for the kids. Um, they don't care how big it is. And you know what I mean? It's like it's all the rental triggers that people are searching for. And then and, and they look at what's the return on investment. So the price uh, is, is very important for an investor because it's what is your cash on cash or what is your you know total return there? What's your cap rate? You know, the capitalization rate. What's the, you know, all those terms that are used by investors that are whole, whole different uh you know, thought strategy goes into that versus a, a regular buyer. Um, how about any other cliches in the industry? I got a couple here that they say they're cliche, but they're true. Number one, location, location, location. Number two, worst house, best street. Number three, <laughs> <laughs> number three, million dollar views. Number four, the values in the land, not the dwelling. And number five, Time in the market, not timing the market. Hmm. I'll tell you, I think it's uh, interesting. A, a lot of those had to do with uh, location, location, location. And it, uh, 
I mean, and that is a big thing. And I, again, I think it would be hard to get a seller uh, to buy into some of that stuff because it's ripping on them, you know. But if you're trying to get the most money you can, and that area is exactly what Andy was just talking about, what an investor is looking for is, you know, all of those other things. And it's, and it all has to do with location, you know, because once you have all those areas or abilities to be able to uh, just take the house and fix that, that's not a big deal. You can't place the house in that area. I went and showed one yesterday and that was in a, just a fantastic area. There's uh, probably on this block, there's 10 of them that have been ripped down and uh, built new, brand new builds, you know, where they they went from, uh, you know, 350 to 400 to, you know, 900 to $1.2 million in that neighborhood. And those people are selling the opportunity that there's, hey, you could rip this down too or add anything you want to it because you're going to be able to get the value out of it, even if it's small. I think that's another thing we've found through this whole uh, COVID junk is that uh, done nicely and right can kill cure a lot of ills in selling. And so it, like size, you know, everyone used to say, oh, geez, I need this much square footage. Well, now people are like, you know what? I just want usable square footage. So they're justifying it, um, paying much higher square footage prices. I, we're hearing a lot less of that in the building industry. I think that's us realtors trying to use something that's to our advantage to a client saying, hey, we can be able to do this. But in the end, when you're building a square footage price, it's what you're putting in it. Anyone could build a huge house, you know, but what is it that you put inside of it? Because if you have $8,000 worth of appliances or $45,000 worth of appliances, that switches the per square foot quite a bit, you know, and, and that's just the appliances. Then you start talking about, do you want crown molding in there? And so I think uh, a lot of these things, um, uh, a lot of through COVID, I think a lot of this stuff got dispelled. So. One second. Um, we got a funny comment by Greg relating to the, the Tinder app and then the catfishing. What about agents? Does the billboard picture look like the agent or your guys' online photos? Greg's, Greg's running right into Andy. He's just, he's just stirring the pot. I love it. <laughs> what are you, uh, you trying to get me in trouble with everybody on this show, Nick? <laughs> It, the, the best thing the guy does is he's doing a, a new commercial now where he's showing himself talking and then it shows the billboard. And I'm like, what did he have plastic surgery? I'm like, <laughs> no, but Here we you go. know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you guys both know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. You're the best. Uh, it should be a cartoon our... character talking. Hi, I'm the guy in the billboard. <laughs> Okay, we're gonna we're gonna figure out why this expired or canceled. Yeah, expired listing didn't sell. This is our fix it segment. I think the best thing is is Andy's behind my logo. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andy, Andy really likes that. And Nick wonders why his payroll slow. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah, you uh, you can keep waiting, Tom. <laughs> okay, so this is in uh, Apple Valley. You guys ready to roll? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say something right away. Where that little thing is located, that might be a problem. Just saying. Location. Well, you, if you ever wanted to have a good observation of, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, the uh, the market moving. That that uh, you could see all the commerce 
True. All the trucks being delivered and probably right out the back window. That's probably totally. your biggest challenge. Yes. <laughs> totally. All right. So what are we at? Price point of four twenty-five. That's uh that's a nice uh price. Apple yeah. Apple Valley. Yep, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good priced home. Four thousand square feet. I mean, it all should fit in there. Five bedroom, four bath, three car garage, ninety-three built, four thousand square feet. Okay. What do the photos look like? Nick, can you show? Yeah. Okay. Looks like a lot of maintenance to me, but. Yeah. Do you see that on the window trim up top too? Yeah, that's exact. Yep. Looks like the haunted house. Yeah. And do you think those, those two sets of flowers kind of brought my eyes right up to it too? Mm -hmm. Those big flower over flower baskets there. So looks like it's Halloween over there as well. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, that's a great photo. So you're saying the listing agent did his own photo on this? I can't believe it. Really? Are you thinking that's a distorted a distorted photo? Or that's what it actually this looks is, like. This is this is where the app wins and the agent loses. <laughs> <laughs> this is where if you're we the photos like this, the apps would win. <laughs> oh. Good lord. Yeah, he's on. gonna have everyone calling him this week. Oh, this is good. Next. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I again I think for pictures, you get the rug out of there, it looks a lot bigger, and then put it back in. And there's nothing, there's that that uh shelf underneath the TV that has nothing in it. It should have something in it, or just get it out of there. Yeah, a couple of books or something, or uh... yeah. All right. Okay. That's the highest chair rail I've ever seen in my life, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bar stool rail. You should, those sure. are like those big chairs you see at all the the on the lake supper clubs, you know, where they have you sit in the big chair with your family. Yeah. That's what that's set for. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be making fun of people. Might as well. Oh, we're not. I thought this was make fun of people time. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, a very nice kitchen. You know. Yeah, the cabinets look nice. Countertops are obviously uh, for Micah. So. But it's a big area. I would have, again, got rid of that rug. Again, with rugs, I think it's real important to get them out for pictures and in for showings. Mm -hmm. um, that's yeah, your eyes are different, aren't they? When you're when you're online looking, you're you're looking at different things. You're you're and people remember this too. People shop by elimination when they're online. They're they're trying to eliminate this house in their mind. Like, why is this house not going to work for me? And and move on to the next. What about what about that flower? What about the thing? trash compactor? That plant that's growing from the ceiling? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. I was wondering what the heck that was. And yeah. uh, and Andy, I saw that too, trash compactor. I was gonna say the only other guy I know that has trash compactor in his house is Chris Rooney. <laughs> yeah, Bill. You uh my dad used to be in the in the kitchen and cabinet business years ago, and he used to say like people used to compact their garbage, right? It was a very common appliance to sell because it was very expensive to get rid of your garbage. So they would all compact it into one bag. He goes, but then they'd forget that, you know, there's the half um, thing of cream that went bad and they put it in there and it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they all stunk all those trash compactors. It's not a bad picture of the kitchen right there. That shows, that shows a little qual more quality to me. I could have, I think yeah. I would have tried to switch the knobs. They just For sure. kind of blend in. 
Okay. That's, that's nonsense. Look at the fridge. Look at all the stuff on the fridge. Yep. Depersonalized. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe this seller was a little more in control and, and or wasn't guided very uh, closely on, on what to do with the photo. The sink's broken. You can see the thing hanging down there, um, you know, on the faucet. <laughs> see, I notice all that stuff, though. I look at that and go, oh, mm. gosh, now you got to do a sink. So do I. Nope. Isn't that one uh, of those detachable ones where you can move it around or that's just straight up? Yeah, open? but it, see what happens is they get old and then they don't go back up in there and they won't sit there. And so they sit hanging like that. Yep. That also that other thing just sitting on the countertop. That's just, I mean, that's just dumb. Just get it off. Yeah. You know, and I know yep. it's a little hot plate or something, but it's just rubbing in the fact that you can't put your pans on your granite tops. And then that looks like they had a little extra, um, Late night cooking that kind of burned up that cabinet corner too. I, I guarantee you, Chris, if you took up, you picked up that hot pad, there'd be a burnt spot on the countertop. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. So well, that was a good who move. Put down the hot picket or that? Is that a printer on that? Of course it is. We're doing deals, Chris. Yeah. We got to print the deal up as we do the house. <laughs> I demand that on all my showings that they have a printer on site. You guys are you know, crazy. This is gonna get this is gonna get good views, but you guys are just going at it today. But here's the here's the problem. You got us all damn wound up about Zillow, and then oh. yeah, you, you get me whipped up, and then now I'm running 100 miles an hour with my hair on fire, ready to fight somebody. And, and Greg adds. Greg stirs the pot. And yeah, then, Greg. Greg jumps on our backs like a gorilla. Get him. Yeah, and then there's a printer in the in the dining room. For gosh sakes, yeah. I mean, what are we supposed to do? You can't, you can't, that just tells you there's not enough room, you know, if you have, have the printer there. So I'd probably get rid of the cookie monster couch too. I, uh, I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> Don't show the address of this house. This is cruel. <laughs> Keep going. Hey. hey, Chris. I thought you told me to say that. Yeah, sure. There's an updated faucet, but it's. Yeah. Okay. All right. I want to see the backyard because that. that's a problem for okay sure. Okay with that. Because see, most people can see past all this stuff. Yeah, I think the that blue. there's you're gonna there's got to be something here that's weird, or they're not gonna show it. And then yeah. when people are getting there, that's an updated bathroom. That looks cute. Okay, that blue wall was that little little area in there. You yeah. see it shining off the bed even, but it just that that's the kind of thing that it's cool to be able to have that. But when you're trying to show a house, you want them to look at. I mean, that's a big bed, and that room looks huge. Yeah. And you want and I'm concentrating on that blue place, blue thing instead. And I think it's just uh yep. you know, just getting that the same color. Yeah, agreed. It looks like a decent house. Okay. You just want to thin that out a little, you know. Yep. What kind of an animal are they? They don't even have their shirts color coordinated. <laughs> I, I actually, we did a new closet system closet in our house. I did a closet system, and or my wife did it. And uh, just to be funny, I put all my shirts in there, black, gray, blue, you know, whatever. All And they're all, and she walks in there, and she goes, oh, you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know that? I, I No, I'm not self-aware uh, self yet. Again, no toys and no uh, yeah. toy rug. Yeah. That room is just hard to understand. 
I don't yeah, know what you sit that. there and think about going to sleep or what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is not bad. If you don't have a lot of furniture, that's fine to put that little something in the corner. Sometimes it's better with nothing, but this is neutral. You know, it looks light and bright. Egress, yeah. so it's underground. Yeah, and even on, on this case, I mean, you can't, you got to outfit the bed right, you know? I mean, it just looks like two mattresses with a sleeping bag on top. And you, you just can see the frame, you're going to wreck your shins when you hit that frame when you walk around it. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what I always do is I walk into a room and I'll look out the windows. That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of, you know, you want to see what you can see or what's there. And so somebody, I guarantee you that that happened. And then you can see standing on the corner, of the uh of the it looks like the window there too so it might have had a bottom left there well maybe not maybe it was just visual just not cleaned windows and closets that's what you always go to typically clean fans mm -hmm. hanging but i mean just removing stuff off counters that that's actually looks like a nice backyard now turn to the left and you can see semis i bet or something or what I think that's up by the hill. It's like a. Oh, yeah, they skipped it. Yeah, they skipped it. So yeah. it is. And I think on this, you almost have to kind of sh show it and prepare people for it because you don't want just people coming that are going to totally outlaw just because it's sitting there. You know, I right. think you have well, to kind of fight that thing. Yeah. Who are you going to fool? Right. I mean, right. if you think consumers don't research everything, you know, nowadays, they, they for sure do. And they'll look at the aerial and they may not even come out to the house. If you're open about it and say, hey, we actually, uh, you know, embrace it, enjoy it. We see, yep, you see cars going by, but you get used to it and it doesn't bug you after a while, you know. Yeah. And that you hit it. The houses that back that are by airports or back up to freeways or whatever, they sell. They still sell. You just have to just want to market it properly. So let me ask you a question. So in your opinion, that house across the street that's not on the freeway, how much more does that house sell for versus one that's on the freeway? I think it really depends. I mean, if Same you're house. equal, equal, totally equal to each other, um, 50 grand mm -hmm. probably. Yep. So when you're pricing your house, that's I, to me, that house seemed like it was priced right. You know, yeah. if you really looked at it, it was in the fours and so it was 4,000 finished square feet. So, you know, I mean, unless that area isn't, you know, Apple Valley, I don't know Apple Valley as well as probably you do, but, um, the, uh, I, I would price very price, good. Right? I don't know. Yeah. I think, but I think that's the thing. If you are backing up to a highway or a freeway like that, the inside has got to be perfect. Yeah. It's got to be perfect. So, yeah. and this yeah, one just didn't, and this one looked in good shape, but it just wasn't, it didn't show like it well, was. We, we were being like little school kids picking on them. But at the end of the day, that's not why that house didn't sell. The house didn't sell because Either it was difficult, meaning they weren't letting people get into the house, or the curb appeal wasn't there and they were stopping at the street, or it really does have a bad view that they were hiding. And until people got there, they didn't realize it. And so, you know, they felt tricked almost. Yeah. We actually did a segment, um, Highway Living, a while back, and the clip is still on our Facebook. So if you want to check out the, the cons of Highway Living, go back to our Facebook page. Anyways, fun episode, guys. That was a lot of uh, energy. What do you guys got going up here? Coming up, anything? Yeah, I'll tell you, Nick. When we when we were back on the radio, when I I saw that look in Andy's eyes when it, he started going, and it was just like all I did was just keep fueling the fire, and he would just go. 
And he did uh, it again today. I'm a little passionate towards my industry. I get well, I get mad though because here's the problem. I, okay, <laughs> let me. I just I want to say this one more time. I think we have a real estate association that's paid a ton of money by a bunch of privately owned MLSs, and that's the clog, you guys. It's not. We don't need all these real estate companies, the real estate association. They could all have these apps that are doing the same things. They're trying to protect the, the, the dues. Okay. What they should be doing is embracing the strong in our industry, encouraging those that are great agents and even better agents, show their track record, show, give them a report card, show that they've sold 500 houses or a thousand houses or whatever, and, and show that they have the credentials, just like a master electrician versus a journeyman. You know, or whatever. And I, I truly believe our industry has to change the way we do this because if you're truly a professional and you're being put into the same bucket as somebody that's on an app or somebody that'll give you all their commission back, um, why would they give you their commission back if they didn't earn it? They didn't earn it. That's why they give it back to you. They're not providing you with value. And and you may not always need value. You may, but did you know that the average real estate agent can also be a facilitator that can work on an hourly rate or a you know a flat fee? And so you want to buy the neighbor's house, bring a real estate agent in and they know they take all that experience. You don't have to pay for all the other stuff because you're not doing it and just pay to have the deal written. And I think that there needs to be an educational um, uh, push by our industry to show what we can bring to the marketplace as professionals and what value we add. Right now, everybody says, oh, they're just big fat, take the commissions. But I'll tell you what, if those commissions weren't being paid, Zillow would be gone. All the big billboard guys would be gone. They all they all thrive on that same commission, guys. So as long as that commission's being paid, all those guys are going to stay there. And then you're always going to have discounters that say, I'll do it for less because I have no value. And I don't know how to get to you other than saying I'll do it for less. So you get what you pay for. And I think nothing beats experience and a good track record. That's all I have to say. And so our industry, I think we need to embrace that. And that's where we need to start heading. Um, or I think the real estate industry is going to be, you know, like Nick was saying, what's the difference between you and an app? What's it if people don't know? Time to educate, guys. Amazing. Hey, we stream on uh, every podcast platform. Full video version of uh, these episodes are on our Facebook. We post three clips a week on our Facebook. Um, check it out. Give us thumbs up, hearts, subscribe, comment. It helps us out. And have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.